Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 235. My name is Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. How are you? I'm doing better. Doing better? Doing better. What does that that mean? Last night, I spent most of my time out in the pitch black, cold, crawling around on my hands and knees in the yard looking for my wedding ring. So, oh, today's much better. Much better. The old... uh... Wedding the ring old, loss, huh? Yeah, the old just flew off the old finger there, just crawling around. Nice. With the, using my phone as a flashlight, it's good uh, times. Did you find it? Yeah, it took oh, a while. Good. It took me like two hours, but I found it. That's good. That's good. A uh, couple things before we get started this week. Uh, we are now on TuneIn Radio, so if you have TuneIn Radio, you can listen to the Film Pulse podcast on there. So if you have uh, Sonos or an Echo or any of those uh, devices that have TuneIn Radio on them, well, we're now on there. So that's that's cool. Watch out. Yeah. This week on the show, we'll be reviewing Sophia Tikal's Always Shine, along with Nicholas Peschke's, probably not pronouncing that correctly, I apologize, The Eyes of My Mother along with some of what we're watching on the watch list, movie predictions, new on video on demand, Blu-ray releases. Remember, you can join in on the discussion by emailing us at podcast at filmpulse.net or sending us a tweet at filmpulse.net. I was thinking we could dive right into our first review today. What do you think? Yeah, what's it going to be? I'm thinking Always Shine. Oh, boy. That's, that's what I'm thinking. There's Watch no out. reason. There's no reason behind me picking Always Shine. That's just what I have up on my screen here. It just feels right. It does feel right for some reason. I don't know why. Let's do it. Let's get it. Okay, so as I mentioned at the top of the show, this is directed by Sophia Tikal. It's written by Lawrence Michael Levine, her husband. Uh, I have a synopsis here. Best friends Anna and Beth take a weekend trip to Big Sur Hopeful to reestablish a bond broken by years of competition and jealousy. Tensions mount, however, leading to an unexpected yet inevitable confrontation changing their lives forever. Mm-hmm. Now, I saw this uh, back at Tribeca many months ago. I did rewatch it just to refresh myself, but I wrote a review back then uh, on the site. So we'll start with you, Kevin. What did you think about Always Shine? Mm. Uh, it feels like two movies. I don't know if you got that sense. The I thought the first portion of it was fantastic. Really, uh, especially given the performances from the two leads, Mackenzie Davis and uh, Caitlin Fitzgerald. I thought they did a fantastic job. And then there's a certain point where it kind of breaks and it's no longer those two. And we just kind of have like a solo mm-hmm. film going on here. And for me, it just came to a screeching halt at that point. And I just slowly lost interest. Well, the thing about that is, and I and I do agree with you to a certain extent, it's a pretty short movie. It's under an hour and a half long. So it's a pretty brisk movie. And the what you're talking about, like that event that occurs, I mean, it's, I, I don't know, it, it's more than halfway through, I would say, yes? Yeah, I think so. I think you are right. But it's just, it's just, it's really jarring. Because you're just kind of like, well, for me, at least, I was just kind of settling in and I was getting really, you know, captivated by what was happening between these two. And then just all of that goes out the window. Right. 
Yeah. Uh, there is an event that occurs that we, we no longer have one of the actors, although she, she does show up from time to time. But that's kind of where it... She, it's a psychological thriller of sorts, so uh, there's a lot of stuff happening in their heads and whatnot. Um, but at its core, it's really it's a movie about kind of the Hollywood and what it's like to be a woman trying to make it in that business and how kind of cutthroat and petty things can get and just how sleazy things are as well. Uh, and and yeah, sleazy. Yes, I mean, especially, it, it, especially that. Op- yeah, yeah, the opening scene. Just, <laughs> just, just the way they talked to her. Jesus I know. Christ. Just the way how they were just like kept calling her sweetheart and just. Ugh. I don't. And there's this is something that just and maybe it's just because I live in a different area, but I've never experienced this type of stuff. Now, obviously, I don't because I'm a man, but I've never seen it as well. Like, I right. don't see people talk to women like that. Like, is that just a. Is that like just part of the business, I guess? Well, she's got to. Right. And I have to wonder that too. I mean, I'm not saying that that's not how it is. And I'm not saying that that's how it is for everyone. Uh, I, w- I would like to talk to some actresses and find out if they've ever had experiences I'm sure like they this have. before. But, you know, is that, uh, is, is that kind of a rarity or is that something that happens very often? It's just, it is something that. You know, I would like to, as a, a male and a non-actor, you know, I've never been in kind of those audition experiences. I just, what, like, when you don't know someone, what possesses you to call them sweetheart? It's just such a weird thing to me. I, I always, anytime I hear uh, a guy say that to, to someone, like in a TV show or a movie or something, uh, first of all, I wonder how much it happens in real life. And it's probably, it happens a lot more than I whatever imagine that it would but uh the second thing i feel is do they think that that's what <laughs> the woman wants yeah. to be called like is that did, i just like, i don't why why would you say that it baffles me so much I just like, all, like all of a sudden it. all of a sudden this girl's gonna be like this guy oh gets God. me this guy oh is such a, he is such a gentleman and oh i love God. him for it oh my god i've never been called sweetheart before oh my goodness i'm all flustered I just feel like it's. Uh, I hope that it, this is not something that happens a lot anymore in Hollywood these days, probably, or just anywhere for that matter. It probably is. I feel like it has to be waning. I feel like that that kind of God, attitude so. has to be waning. However, I mean that that does bring up a good point that this this movie is kind of based around uh, Sophia Tikal's real life, like her her career and her. Um, experiences in Hollywood getting jobs she's an actress as well and kind of I guess the the emotional impact that 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 type of career has had on her as well yeah because it's I mean this what you have at the center here the friendship between Anna and Beth Anna played by Mackenzie Davis Beth played by Caitlin Fitzgerald is like man that's a rocky friendship yeah <laughs> to say the least i mean from from the beginning when she gets in the car and she's like sorry and about the kissing her boyfriend and all of that like right off the bat i have to wonder are these people are these two even actually friends because it because yeah. it doesn't seem like mackenzie davis even likes her remotely yeah it's just and then yeah man that's just a toxic friendship right there it's just awful and it's just and it's 
I found myself just surprised, like the longer it went on, like how bitter it got. It just kept surprising me to the point where I'm like, why are you guys friends? Like this friendship should have dissolved years ago. Why, why are we going to Big Sur? Why would yeah. you do that? Why are you even trying? <laughs> why, why are you spending four days together? This is a terrible idea. This is just a terrible, terrible idea. This is not going to work. And then Beth's character just keeps making it worse. Mm-hmm. Point where you're just like Beth, open up your mouth and say something. I know she's she's like, so why? timid and shy about everything. Yeah, it's just say say something. Uh, that that always frustrates me in movies when you have a really shy, sort of introverted character, and you just want them to talk and they <laughs> yeah. won't. And but I wonder if it, you know, and maybe I'm just reading a bit too much into it, but kind of. You know, they talk about how she's kind of being typecast and she's been playing kind of the same roles for like the last, what, like 10 roles in the last two years. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that kind of had like a toll on her that she just kind of became that person in real life anyways, because Maybe. she had to play her so often. Maybe, because the new role that she was up for, I guess, was against type and that was not, she was not playing this kind of mousy, shy girl. Yeah, she had to play a sassy lady. She had to play. She had to give give it some sass in this troll movie. Stones. Yeah, that's oh, right. Stones. Stone trolls. Stone trolls. Fucking stone trolls. Which I'm surprised that's not a movie. I wonder if there is a movie. There has to be. Uh, it's Troll Hunter. It's kind of close. Kind of. Yeah, I mean, it's close. It's not quite the same thing. Um, cinematography is fantastic. Cinematography is great. Uh, the other thing that I liked a lot was the editing in this movie. I thought that it was very well edited. Uh, Zach Clark actually did the editing on this. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of jumble jumbling a lot of images in there. Yeah, mixing it up. I like that a lot. I like the opening titles a lot. Uh, I thought that uh, the movie had a very kind of De Palma esque tone to me. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I've noticed a couple of people saying that, which I don't. I don't know if I've seen enough to De Palma. I mean, I guess I kind of see it. But then again, I haven't watched that many uh, De Palma movies to maybe make that or notice that reference point. Yeah, I think it was like just the opening title crawl, how it had that horizontal scroll and just the music. I will say that the the opening credits, they were really difficult to read because you had the top one going the one way and they had the bottom one going the other way. And it, the letters kind of bled into the screen. And I just had a really difficult time reading the credits. I didn't, but maybe it's because I saw it in the theater and it was easier on a big screen. Maybe, perhaps. Either way, I was a fan of those credits. They were, they, yeah, they were different. With that. Now, what did you think of, this is a movie that's kind of hard to discuss as far as like the, like the narrative arc because there's some things that happen that would be considered spoilers that, that kind of yeah. change the tide in, in how this goes. But what did you think of, where the story goes and how it was presented and but, uh, kind of the fallout, like after she um, met Lawrence Michael Levine's character and established that relationship. Well, I, I mean, I want to throw out there from kind of touching on what you said, where you kind of, you don't want to spoil things, but I think we've seen enough of these movies and from reading the synopsis that you kind of know how this is going to play out. Right. So and just, just a heads up, always shine doesn't really deviate from essentially what you're expecting. Yeah. doesn't reinvent the wheel where it's like, oh shit, I didn't know it was going to go there. I yeah. mean, it pretty much goes where you expect it to go. We we know from 
the onset that this is not going to end happily for these two. No, no, not at all. I mean, if you hate each other that much, you probably shouldn't spend time alone together in close proximity, especially when one one career is going well and the other one's kind of floundering. Probably not the best idea. But again, I will say everything up until the point where essentially Lawrence Michael Levine's character gets introduced, I thought that that was all fantastic. The, you know, the between the two leads, great work. But everything after that, just, I mean, there's just such a, I don't want to necessarily say a nosedive, but when it comes to the narrative, yes. I thought the visuals and stuff were still pretty solid and the execution of it, but like the actual narrative itself, just off a cliff. It felt like it wasn't, it wasn't quite developed fully. Like uh, we, we didn't quite see this thing through because it just feels like it ends very abruptly after this incident occurs and after she sort of has her psychotic break of sorts. Yeah. And I think it's also because you have Mackenzie Davis giving such a, a great performance and then you kind of, you essentially flip her character at that point. Yeah. Where they kind of do the persona swap. And now she's playing the, you know, the timid. Yeah. Like the emotionally muted character. Yeah. Not going to say a word. Just desperately afraid the entire time. And it just kind of comes, essentially comes to grinding home. At least it did for me. Because I thought that the beginning portion where they, I liked how, you know, they introduce the two characters where they give you the feeling that they're both auditioning for a role, but yet only one of them is. Mm-hmm. And when they run lines together. Oh, that was great. I, yeah. And then the way that the, she filmed the, the frantic phone call, mm-hmm. how the, you know, the camera's oscillating back and forth and you're just waiting for something to pop up once it pans to the, you know, to the left or right. All that stuff is fantastic. And then just everything just kind of dissipates and then michael or lawrence michael levine shows up and just the i don't know i thought that that was kind of interesting the like you said the kind of persona swap that occurs there and it's almost as if she morphs into the other character and starts basically taking on her identity yeah but i don't and almost almost to your point it's just it it doesn't feel like they really went anywhere with that it kind of felt like they were just comfortable in the, okay, she's now has this persona, this personality, and that's it. Yeah, well, I didn't, it was interesting because I wondered how far they were going to take it. Because at one point, because Lawrence Michael Levine actually gets the two mixed up. Like, he thinks that one is the other because he mentions giving her a ride earlier. But he didn't give Mackenzie Davis a ride. He gave um, the other girl a ride. So, um I was wondering how far they're going to go with the whole kind of identity swap thing. They didn't go too far with it. <laughs> Spoiler. They did not go very far. Either way, uh, uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too. Um, I got to say, like the the execution of this movie compared to her previous movie, Green, is, oh my goodness. Night and day. I haven't seen Green. Green I mean, it's a low budget affair. But just seeing the difference between those two is just kind of like, oh my goodness, wow, production values substantially have risen. Yeah, I mean, just the 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 landscape shots of Big Sur, fog and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of a lot of great forest scenes too. Got to get that fog in there. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So damn cinematic. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I had a. It was funny. I saw this very shortly after we saw the uh, Alex Ross Perry one. Yeah, and to me, this one was much exe- executed in a much better way. Oh yeah, I would agree with that. Because I also noticed a couple of people making that comparison. Yeah, because I, I saw the two very very close to one another. So I w- I would say if if um what was the name of that one? I already forgot. Uh, Queen of Earth. Queen of Earth. If you saw Queen of Earth, the Alex Rocks Perry one with uh, Elizabeth Moss, you liked that one. I would recommend seeing this one because I, I thought that this one was um, better. Yeah. Not to say the other one was bad or anything. I just I thought that this one handled it a lot a lot better. And you're dealing with a similar subject matter. You know, you have two two friends going to a remote cabin to try to reconnect, and things don't go quite right. And it's sort of a psychological thriller in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, they are very similar. The thing I liked about this one was the exploration of the the pettiness of Hollywood and the and the jealousy that accompanies that and just how 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 it uh affects relationships when you have friends who are actors and in the business. Yeah. Especially her you know, uh Beth essentially like trying not to bring up her success. Right, yeah, she like she didn't mention the the magazine article and all of this stuff. Cause she's trying to keep it from her, but then you have to wonder like, does that does that somehow make it worse? Because I think she, it, because... I think it does because she's essentially communicating that like my success I feel is going to hurt you. You know, that... like she's projecting that on her. She's not giving Anna the chance to be happy for her. She's just a you know, assuming outright right. that oh, Anna's going to pissed off that I made it into a magazine, got this magazine spread. I got to keep it from her. I think it's that. And it's also the fact that when, when she sees that kind of success and she's just kind of shrugging it off or, or almost like belittling the fact that she has this, this is in this magazine. She looks at it like, you know, I would, I would kill for that. You don't, you don't appreciate what yeah. you have here. Yeah. And also, if you're not going to talk about it, why are you going to bring the magazine with you? I know, right? Just weird. leave it out. There were, there were several kind of fundamental mistakes I think she made in this. The magazine was one. Not telling her about the, the short film was another thing, because why would you not just yeah, tell just, her that? Yeah, just tell about the short film. At least just speak up like as soon when they bump into the guy. Be like, oh, shit, I forgot to tell you. He's doing a short film. Yeah, exactly. And instead, she just stands there and just becomes more and more awkward. Like, let's just speak up. <laughs> Have some backbone here. Say something. Come on. All right. Any final thoughts on Always Shine? Um, I, I liked a lot of it, which is a really shitty thing. <laughs> I liked a lot of it. I just realized how fucking dumb that sounded. Uh, that should be your letterbox review. I liked a lot of it. Oh God! But it unfortunately, there's just that that point where it just it kind of just drops off for me. It just really that was uh, that was jarring because yeah. I was just like I just got into it. Like yes, where is this going? I love this. This is I find this very captivating. Let me see where it goes, and then it goes in the most uninteresting of ways at that point. Unfortunately. Hmm. Yes, yeah, I, I could definitely see why that kind of shift would maybe not appeal to some people. I, I didn't mind it. I, I liked where it went. 
I wanted a little bit more from it, but I still uh, had a had a good time with this movie. Uh, all right, let's go get ahead and give it a score. Uh, I give it a seven and a half out of ten. I give it like a six and a half, maybe a seven. I might bump it up to a seven. A little bit of a bump. A little bump. Yeah, little might... in there. Keep in mind, mine does have a festival bump. Uh, so after rewatching it, I would probably, I would probably still give it around a seven, but. My initial thoughts were 7.5, so I'm keeping that. You can read my full review. It's up on the site now. Let's talk about our next movie, The Eyes of My Mother. So this is directed by, it's written and directed by Nicholas Pesky. Pesky? Pesky? I think think that makes it worse. Just get out every single iteration of the pronunciation. And one of them will be correct. Yeah, you should be good. Right. I have a synopsis here. A young, lonely woman is consumed by her deepest and darkest desires after tragedy strikes her quiet country life. I actually wrote a review for this one as well. So we'll start with you again, Kevin. What did you think of The Eyes of My Mother? Oh, The Eyes of My Mother. This movie's hella short, which I like. Well, it, I was, when you think, I was I mean, really fantastic. I mean, I was just so happy with both of these films. I was just going to say, both of these movies are actually pretty short. So. <laughs> I was... You have no idea. You have no idea how happy I was to just pop this on and be like, damn, 77 minutes? Yes. Someone's looking out for me. Mm-hmm. One of the first things I noticed is this is one of those movies, and I, I never 100% understood when people say this, but I will say for this movie, I don't really un- or comprehend the, the use of black and white hmm. in this film. I just, it didn't, it was so just like washed out there was no it just didn't seem like we needed it to be black and white i disagree i think it looked i think the black and white aided it a lot because it to me this was kind of your classic american gothic horror story and i think that the black and white really gave it uh its own unique look i thought the black and white look i thought the black and white looked great i mean just like I was thinking about, like, okay, what would this look like in, in color? And to me, it just doesn't pack quite as much of a punch if it was in color, unless the color was the kind of, like, washed-out European-style color that you see in some in some movies. I could see, um, like, there was a couple se- sequences where I understood the black and white, mostly being, like, the barn with the, the lone light over the top. Oh, yeah. I thought those those looked fantastic in the black and white, but there was a lot of stuff that just it just didn't work for me the black and white. But I guess that's the that's the trade off. In order to get those scenes, everything else has to be in black and white, obviously. Yeah, I would say so. Because that just wouldn't make sense. I thought nearly nearly every shot in this movie looked fantastic. I thought it was it looked. One of the most uh, visually striking, definitely one of the most visually striking horror movies I've seen this year. Um, maybe one of the most visually striking movies I've seen this year. Damn. I'll have to look at my list. I know that's a tall statement, but I loved the visuals in this. I thought the cinematography was fantastic. It just, it felt, everything in this movie just felt so haunting to me. It just so unnerving. And I loved pretty much how every shot was framed uh i was i was into and i liked how he he played around with different camera movements and camera angles like he would just sit the camera like when they were dragging that the body uh with on the tarp or whatever and they just 
mounted the camera on the tarp so it was moving along with the body. That was pretty good. And there were just a lot of little things like that that I thought looked fantastic. Uh, There was a really great, um, like, a wide overhead shot on the road when the the girl was in the road and the truck was pulling up uh, in front of her, or behind her, I mean. Yeah. Uh, I thought that that shot looked really impressive with the, you know, giant forest. It kind of gave you the, the, the feel for the isolation and just how far away from civilization this place was this farm but maybe we should maybe we're getting a little ahead of ourselves maybe we should get into the plot of this movie a little bit because the synopsis doesn't get into it too much so basically the film is broken up into three three acts three chapters and it begins with um this girl francisca who is she lives on a farm with her mother and father they're from portugal i don't know if they never really get into if they uh, all are from Portugal or just the parents. Like if she was born here or they came over recently. But yeah. I got the... I, got the, I also got this... It I could be wrong, but it didn't seem like the father was from I, Portugal. Yeah. It just seemed I, like maybe the mother. Yeah, that could be. So I'm not I'm not sure. They don't really get too too far into it. Uh, but the the mother is definitely from Portugal. She was a surgeon over there, so she kind of instills her uh surgical surgical wisdom on the daughter who is probably way too young to be dealing with that type of stuff um especially the like dissecting the cow eyes and things yeah uh and then something absolutely terrible happens involving the mother she gets i don't, I don't think it's a spoiler or anything they i think they kind of show it in the trailer she gets killed by um a serial killer and then some things happen after that involving the father. And basically, it just kind of goes through Francisca's life. And the, the second chapter deals with the father. And the third chapter is kind of where she decides that she wants a family of her own. And I thought that the movie was just utterly fascinating uh, from beginning to end. I loved seeing how, like, the kind of transition that this the character Francisca took and i just uh, i loved it that was fantastic well i wish i could agree but i can't because i did not like this at all uh yeah i didn't really so much of this just didn't make any sense to me and just felt like a bunch of like loose ideas that just no one did anything with like the first section with the mother and just why just none of it made sense to me what didn't what didn't make sense why do you keep the guy? I don't what, know. And why do you make the daughter care for him? This is a weird family, Kevin. They're <laughs> a weird, messed up family. I don't. And did 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 he instruct her to care for him, or did she take it upon herself to do that because she wanted kind of a pet? I I think she kind of took it. Well, he said that you had to take care of this. I don't know if he necessarily meant for her to do what she did, but at the same time, it's like. Maybe not keep a guy in your barn. That just seems like a lot of, you know, you have to waste a lot of time taking care of a guy in your barn. Like, that takes a lot of time and resources. It does. I mean, you have the chains. Food, water. The food, the water. The cleaning up the messes. and The cleaning up the messes. You have to hear the guy. Because you know he's going to be mumbling and, like, crying out in pain and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. You got to put up with all that. Plus, he brutally murdered your wife. So, I would think at some point in time you would 
take care of business there. Well, I guess he just couldn't bring himself to actually kill the guy. I mean, the, I mean, the he it seemed like he sort of wasn't quite with it to begin with, and then after he got he gets home and finds his wife brutally murdered uh, in his home. I guess he just kind of snaps and he just you know pummels the guy and says, "All right, I'm done with this." Yeah, I don't know. I just I didn't really find anything to be interesting. There was a couple of striking scenes. Like that one where the camera kind of like moves through the house and the father's sitting on the chair and she's dancing by herself. Mm-hmm. That was the most striking thing to me. That just creeped me the fuck out. Yeah, it's a it's a creepy movie. It, it really is kind of one of those movies that gets under your skin. There were two movies this week I, that I saw that involved fingernails being... Yeah. being <laughs> That's always, that is the worst, isn't it? That is just the absolute worst. Anytime I see that in a movie, it just goes right through me. Yeah. Well, the thing, the the thing that I liked about it was kind of the arc of Francisca and how these events in her life, you know, the, the, the teachings of her mother and then the incident that happens with her mother and then the passing of her father and just all of these kind of life events that culminate into creating or developing her into who she is and sort of being able to see what the end result of that is. And the things that she does, and they're not—they're not justified by any means, but they're—they're—they're they're, uh, they're logical within the confines of the movie. You know what I mean? Like it makes sense why she's doing this. She's living in complete isolation. She has no human contact whatsoever. Yeah. <clears throat> she's lonely. She's yearning for kind of this human connection, and then the—the the only life that she knows is what's our what's been kind of instilled upon her living on this farm so to her what she's doing she might not even necessarily be bad she's just trying to have a family yeah but i'm also wondering if i mean it's it it seems like it's more so justified because nothing was really ever developed so everything is just like these loose tangents so you're just like i I guess that could that makes sense i don't know i felt like it i felt like at least her character I thought was uh, I thought it was pretty developed. I, I like I understood why she was doing what she was doing, and everything that she did seemed to be seemed to fit to me. Like I didn't feel like her character specifically was underdeveloped or anything. Like I felt like I knew what was going on with this character, and I understood her actions. Okay. And basically, she was just taking everything that her mom taught her, and the the whole keeping dudes in. Or keeping people rather in barns. She just took that, <laughs> made it her own. <laughs> she made it her thing. She carved out her own path, and that path is keeping people in a barn with an elaborate system of chains. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Chains and buckets. Chains and buckets. It almost makes you think they've done it before. Yeah. With this chain setup. It does make you wonder. Because you know, to have it all rigged up to hang them from this you know, a very high ceiling like that. Seems like that that was, that barn has already been outfitted for keeping prisoners. Yep. And could like be I, wrong. It could be wrong. But. Like I said, the family seems not quite right from the beginning. Why did they leave Portugal? Hmm? Maybe they were fleeing from something. We don't know. Yeah, keeping prisoners, probably. Sitting their eyes shut. Gross. Some gross shit in here. There is some gross shit, yeah. There's some... 
I don't know. I just, it, for me, it just never really felt, none, none of these actions felt justified. It just it didn't feel like there was a story to justify anything of the, the grossness that I was seeing. But then again, I wonder, you know, we, we always kind of discussed this. I wonder if that just comes down to me. This is not, this is not my bag. Not it's not cup my of thing. Tea. Not my cup of tea. This is not how I want to spend my time. People doing gross shit to each other, <laughs> keeping prisoners and whatnot, making them do things with buckets and, you know, sores and stuff. I don't feel like seeing sores and sewing things. I thought that the, the bathtub scene with the father was very, <laughs> it's, it was very disturbing, but I thought that it was really, that had some really strong kind of visual quality to it as well. That creeped me out too. I just didn't understand that. Why are you doing that? You know, it it, it, it reminded me of Tideland, the Terry Gilliam movie. Oh, that movie was, I, I forget a lot about that movie, but it was horrible. Disgusting. It was a disgusting movie. It was. Yep. I just remember you were making me remember all these disgusting things. I don't like it. <laughs> uh, well, it's a shame you didn't like this one because I was I was totally I was totally hooked. I'm really excited to see what this guy does next. Uh, I was a big big fan of this one. So I hope he makes a movie. That'd be cool. Make a movie next time. Oh, Kevin, that's, that's <laughs> such a low blow. <laughs> This is a like movie, a full, like a full movie. Like let's let's flesh out some things. This this uh this conformed to the three act structure. They even three broke acts, it down into three acts. Three acts can eat a dick. Three act garbage. Three acts of bullshit. I don't know. It 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 didn't feel like anything was missing to me. It felt like a complete. It felt like a complete arc to me. I had just we saw her childhood where she was you know where this trauma occurred and where. These thoughts in her head were planted. We saw when she was, you know, when her father passed away, when that was when she really broke. And then we see the finale where. Well, I think she, she, I think she broke before her father passed away. I mean, she's caring for a guy. Like she goes from like, what, 11 years old to like 20. So she's like, she's caring for a guy in a barn for like nine years, 10 years. Like she broke well before her dad. I guess, but. I, I don't know, though, because that to her is just normal. That's I don't I mean, she I think she was old enough that when the mom thing happened that she knows that that's not normal. Like she didn't have that in the prior 10 years of her life. I think at the age of 10, you know, that keeping a human being in a barn shackled with eyes sewn shut is probably not a normal thing. I guess. Yeah, I think that's just kind of inherent. I don't know if you really need to be taught that that, that might be a little weird. I don't know. Maybe not. I've never been in that situation, so who knows? It just—I think it just depends on how sheltered of an upbringing she had. Like, did she have no access to the outside world whatsoever? That—that that was something that was never really clear. I mean, obviously, they had to at least go into town to buy supplies and groceries and things. So I don't know if they were living in complete isolation. Yeah, but you can even throw out there, too, that if they do have to go into town or whatever, maybe the, that's what the father does and they're not allowed to go into town. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that that was kind of the impression that I got, but I don't know that for sure. Because especially when she's an adult and she goes out, she does go out to meet people. And like when she meets the girl, um, she seems fairly socialized by that point. Like she's able to have a conversation, be, albeit minimal and very strange 
Yeah. But it seems like she knows how to at least converse with people. That's true. Yeah, it's a bizarre movie, and I loved it. So take that. I did not. So take that right back at you. Uh, I have a full review for this up on the site. I gave this one an 8 out of 10. Oh, boy. Watch out. So what would you give this movie out of 10? 8. <laughs> I gave it an 8. I just thought I'd ask before I give my number. Yeah, I gave it an 8, and I'm sticking by an 8. Would you give it, would you say like an 8? Yes. What do you? 7.5, seven, seven 8. I would go, I'm going to go like a like a 3. Does that hurt? Did that hurt you? It hurt me a little bit, yeah. I'm sorry. I always feel bad. I know it's such a dumb thing, but I'm just like, oh, I'm sorry. No, you, within your right to not like movies. I'm sorry. <laughs> Even if you're wrong, that's fine. You know, whatever. <laughs> All right, moving on. Let's uh, talk about some of what we've been watching on the watch list. Kevin, I think we'll start it with you this week. All right, get ready, because I got one. So hold on tight. I'm strapping in. I watched uh, The Treasure. This is currently available on Netflix Instant. Trying to catch up on all the 2016 releases because I realized I got a month left and there's a shit ton of movies that I have not seen yet. Yeah, same here. So great thing about this one, 89 minutes. Also short, short movies. Fucking wonderful. Love them. Um, This is all in all, overall, it's a well-made film. It's just, it's so minimal and the, the narrative that we're working with here just doesn't really just didn't really do anything for me so what we have is a neighbor that desperately needs money so he comes to his other neighbor and he's like i I need to borrow some money the guy's like no i'm strapped for cash too can't help you so the guy lets him know hey my family told me about this this treasure that's buried in this house that i own out in the country it's a family home buried some treasure so maybe we can scrounge up some money and we can get a, a metal detector and we can try and dig this treasure up and it'll solve all of our problems. Now, it sounds kind of silly, right? It sounds like a pretty silly narrative. But the one interesting thing about this film is everything's just completely serious and deadpan that you're you're almost slightly baffled because you're like, this is just so ludicrous. Why would you sign up for this? You're strapped for cash. Why are you scrounging money together to get a metal detector to try and get some treasure? Like, this is a terrible idea. Don't you do could, this. One could say that about anyone that buys a metal detector. Well, not only they don't buy a metal detector, they hire a guy. Like they hire a company to come out and do the metal detecting oh, for God. them. So they don't even get a metal detector that they can use, you know, in the future. That, you know, if you if you come up empty handed today, you have opportunities to maybe find treasure in the future. No, this is a one done deal where they get this guy to come out on the weekend and survey the land with the metal detector. And hopefully they'll find some treasure. So it's, I mean, it's very, it's very compact. It's well-made. Um, it's just, there's not a lot to it. It's just, it was a bit too thin for me. Okay. You know, there's not really, I can't say too many negative things about it outside of just, I didn't find it that interesting. There's just wasn't enough there to warrant my time really. And that's called The Treasure? The Treasure. Available on Netflix. Instant. I saw one called, uh, let's see, The Office Killer. We'll start with that one. This is from 1997, directed by Cindy Sherman. Uh, this one uh, this one really didn't do it for me. It stars Carol Kane, Molly Ringwald, and uh, Gene Triplehorn. Okay. And uh, 
Michael Imperioli's in there as well. Basically, it's a horror comedy about this woman who is kind of, she works at a magazine and she's kind of the outcast. People make fun of her and stuff and she decides to strike back and she starts killing all the people in her office. Uh, that's Carol Kane's character. Uh, not a lot to say about this one. It was pretty, pretty damn average, actually. Uh, I didn't find it to be funny at all. Like, not even one thing made me laugh. And it, it felt really weird as far as the, like, the tone because it was pretty sadistic, some of the things that happened in this. Uh, like the eyes of my mother, she kept the dead bodies of the people she killed and, like, kind of made a family out of them. But it felt out of place in this because this was kind of presented as this lighthearted horror comedy. And it just, I don't know, it felt really weird. It was like really uh, gory too, which was very strange. Um, one one other quick note, this had, um, uh, who was it? Alice Drummond was in this and I just read that she passed away today. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, she was, she was in this. I, I saw that pop up on my feed and I was like, oh, I just saw her in this movie. But uh, either way, Office Killer, uh, can't can't recommend it. Molly Ringwald plays this kind of um, like like bit. Like she's like the office bitch. Like she's she's like the mean one. And Jean Triplehorn is like the nice and kind of kind and forgiving one. Hmm. But so yeah, mm. I had a I had a kind of a really average week. Like I don't have a whole lot to talk about as far as these movies. <laughs> I saw Visible Secret. This is directed by Anne Hui. It's a it's kind of a Chinese ghost story. Um, it it's about a it stars Shu uh, Shi as this girl who can she has the ability of to see ghosts, sort of like a sixth sense knockoff, uh, but more it's like sixth sense in a romantic comedy skin. Okay. This one's weird. This one's got this one's uh, definitely weird. Uh, I think you would you might like this one. What's the name of this again? Visible Secret. Visible Secret. Mm-hmm. Right. This was this, this came out in two thousand one, so this was before they had their ban on ghost movies in China. Hmm. Which is still utterly ridiculous. But Yeah, you gotta can't have too many ghost movies. Gotta put a moratorium on them sometimes. This one's also I know. I wish we would do that in the states about some yeah. some subgenres. Yeah, exactly. Like found footage, like found footage. Found... Shut it down. <laughs> Shut it to executive order. No more found footage. I would recommend checking out Visible Visible Secret. It's it's kind of goofy. It's uh, I remember when this movie came out is right when you and I were starting to get into Asian cinema like pretty heavily, and this movie has that kind of feel like bio zombie or one of those other type of supernatural comedies uh and it's it's a pretty fun watch nothing amazing but uh decent nonetheless and i saw white girl this came out earlier this year this is directed by elizabeth wood uh this one this is definitely one that left a bad taste in my mouth uh which i think was completely intentional in every way the interesting thing about this movie, so basically it's, it's about this girl who moves to New York City and she's attending college there. She's getting ready to start her uh, second year of college and she meets this guy who's a drug dealer and then 
some really, really terrible things happen. He ends up in jail, and she's trying to get money to get him out. And she's got drug dealers after her, and she's got lawyers that she has to pay. And then she has she's in, doing this internship, and her boss is totally a sleaze who's trying to like hook up with her. And just really, it's just a series of awful things. But the thing that I found most interesting about this movie is that it's kind of the it's it's kind of a look at like white privilege and how the effects of white privilege how that can affect everything like in our ecosystem because she is just an awful person from the from the beginning i was expecting it to be you know she's like the innocent girl from like the rural town or whatever who moves to the big city and gets corrupted by the big city that's not that's not how this movie is at all she is terrible from the very beginning and she is the one who corrupts everything around her and I just thought that that was kind of this really interesting uh, meditation on on white privilege. And it's a tough movie to recommend because it's just so uh, it's just so unple- it's so unpleasant. You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a movie that I could liken it to maybe kids, but kids is a bad I was example. Say, on, the, on the poster, it says since kids. The most explosive portrait of NYC youth since kids. I don't know if I would compare it to kids other than because really all you have is disaffected youth. I mean, that's the only connection you really have to kids. Um, it it has a very realistic look to it. Like it, it the way it was shot looks very uh, almost documentary like. And so I guess that is another similarity to kids. But I feel like they're very different movies. Um but either way, I guess it's okay. it's really hard to say because it just it's just such a gross movie, and I can't knock I can't say that that's a bad thing though because it's intentionally gross. Hmm. Uh, I will say that it was it was well shot, it was well directed, and uh, it was it was a very well made movie. But I don't know if I would go as far to say that I recommend it. Just because it's so unpleasant. Uh, finally, I saw Pet. This came out on VOD this week. Uh, this is the one about the guy who kidnaps a girl he's obsessed with, keeps her in a cage, and then some things happen and the tables get turned. Watch out. The interesting That's, thing... It, that happens a lot, though, you know, when you're going to keep someone as a prisoner. Well, it's, a lot of times, tables get turned. And that's fully, that's what I expected with this because you see it in the trailer, the synopsis, all this stuff. You, you, you know what to expect going into it that something's going to happen. Tables, you know, script's going to get flipped. But the twist is not that. There's another aspect of it that is the actual twist, and that's far more interesting. And when that twist occurs, uh, it made me appreciate this movie a whole lot more because I was like, oh, okay. This is the real twist. This now, this is actually worth checking this movie out for. Yeah, uh, it's still not a great movie. <laughs> it's still, still not enough. It was close, right? I think that the the twist was interesting enough. I think the execution was a little bit lackluster, but uh, I, I still think that they they took it to an in an interesting direction. So, eh, I'd say it's like a very light recommend if you don't have anything else going on give it a rent on VOD. I'd give this like a five out of 10 or something like that. Four, four and a half, five out of 10. 
So you got you got two movies this week with people keeping other people as prisoners. Yeah, and and Pet is the other one that has the nail the nail ripping off yeah, scene. You would imagine, yeah, because it, it makes sense because you're trying to get out of something mm-hmm. for whatever reason. They dig their fingernails in. Yeah. I don't know why they think that's gonna help. No, no. Dude, I, like they overestimate the power of fingernails. Like them shits just break off. You're not gonna claw through anything. That is true. You're just hurting yourself. They're just—they're so desperate. You know, it's a sign of desperation. They're yeah. so desperate to get out of the chains that that bind them that they are willing to claw off their own nails. Yeah, but you still got them chains on. Use your head. I mean, I know you're locked up, but use your head. You gotta be smart. Yeah. Fingernail versus <laughs> steel chains. That's it's no brainer. Yeah, like even even if you claw through that wood and you get through that that you know that wall, you still got chains on. Come on. Use your head, dummy. Yep. Now you're just going to be cold because you don't have no fucking wall. Mm-hmm. I'm, just, I'm just saying. Just throwing that out there. All right. That's all I have. So <laughs> we can move on and talk about some predictions. Uh, oh, my. Uh, let's see. Last week, I did not write down what we predicted because it doesn't matter anyway. So I just. Uh... I was going to say, do, we even, do you even keep track? No, I, I haven't. I haven't kept track for like two years. <laughs> Uh, I love that we still do it though. Yeah, it's a I I like doing it. It's fun, just a fun little uh, weekly competition. The only one that we predicted was Jackie, and it ended up getting an eighty-five percent. So, are you serious? Yeah, people are loving that what? one. I think yep. it looks like garbage. I saw a second trailer for it today that made it look better. However, I still don't have any kind of desire to see it. Yeah. Uh, next week we have Office Christmas Party. Okay. What do you think about this one? Uh, eh. Could be worth a couple right. laughs. Yeah, I mean that's one of those that I'll check out at some point in time because I'll probably be wanting to laugh at some point, so I'll pop that in. I'm not gonna go out to the theater and see it. Though. No, yeah, well I might. I don't know. I like the Christmas movie. I like getting into the the Christmas spirit with a nice Christmas themed movie. I don't know if this is gonna do the trick for me, but you got some good people in here. You got your your Kate McKinnons, your Jason Batemans. Which I would say, I mean, that right there is, that's going to warrant a watch, having Kate McKinnon in there. I know, her character looks really funny, too, so. Totally into that. What are you thinking on Office Christmas Party? Oh, boy. Office Christmas Party. I'm going to say a 52. Hmm. I will say 56 on that one. Uh, we also have La La Land. Oh, God. The Damien Chazelle. This was just uh, awarded Best Best film at the New York Film Critics Circle. Mm. Mm. I, I got to be honest with you, Kevin. I am not feeling this one. I I have no interest in this shit at all. It just it it's it seems disgusting. I don't this like this type of thing is just disgusting to me. What it's music just, musicals? Yeah, it's just too damn sugary. It seems like just don't want. I don't want any part of it. Well, I'll tell you, it currently has a ninety-seven percent. I don't like this fantasy land bullshit where we're singing and dancing in the streets and whatnot. I'm going to say that this uh, gets a 94. Yeah, I have a feeling people are going to love this shit out of it, though. So I'm going to go with a 90, a 91. All right. I think that's just getting a limited release next week. I'm not positive, though. In limited release next week, we have Friend Request. That's going to be amazing. You can tell by the title. 
Mm-hmm. Frank and Lola. That's the one with Michael Shannon and Imogene Poots. You got the brand new Testament. Interested in that one. Isn't that, yeah, that's the one with where God lives in Belgium. Mm hmm. Yep. <laughs> uh, very, very interested in that. Uh, the Bounce Back. Not familiar with that. Abattoir. That's a horror movie that I have a mild interest in. Land of Mine. It's like a war movie. Uh, All We Had, which is uh, the Katie Holmes one. It's her directorial debut, I believe. Sugar Mountain. Sure. Uh, Beyond the Gates. What is that? Is that Barbara Crampton? Uh, it does look like her, doesn't it? I was going to say, that that seems like that should pique your interest to get a VHS tape on there. I, I know. like a, I'm, I'm looking at the cover, and I'm like, ooh. <laughs> just, just have a feeling that while you're looking at this at the screen, it was just calling out to you. Adam. Are made just for you. Yeah, this uh, this will definitely interest me. It, it, that is. Oh my god! Retro thing. cool blast from Dayglow, nineteen eighties past. We'll see. You just lost your shit. Nah, you? we'll you see. Lost you. <laughs> I am I am very wary of those because there's so many of them these days, and so many of them just don't do it right. Eighty nine percent though. I know. That's I don't know. Uh, Slash is coming out. The Clay uh, Leaford one. Okay, all right. I have a mild interest in that one. Oh, looks like a new Steven Seagal movie called Contract Kill comes out, of course. I feel like yes. that dude has a movie every week. It's crazy. Gotta respect it. Yeah. Harry Benson, Shoot First. Uh, Burn Country, uh, Kill Oops. Ratio. Accidental Courtesy, Daryl Davis, Race, and something else that the title is cut off, America. <laughs> That one looks semi-interesting. It's about a it's a black guy who uh, sort of become he befriends people in the KKK in mm. order to better understand them and to open up a dialogue. Mm. Looks somewhat interesting. Uh, let's see what else do we got here. That's pretty much it for this week. So there's a number of releases in there that uh, kind of piqued my interest. Next week on VOD. Starting with December 5th, we have Be My Cat, a film for Anne. This is uh, some kind of weird found footage movie about a guy who's trying to make, uh, he's trying to get Anne Hathaway in his movie, in his next movie. So he's making this movie just so that Anne Hathaway can look at it and be in his next movie. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it sounds kind of interesting, but I saw the trailer and it looks really bad. So, um, December sixth, okay. we have decommissioned. It watches. Green is gold. Me, myself, and her. All eyes and ears. The possession experiment. Good tidings. Tree man and hotel of the damned. What up? Did you say tree man? Tree man. Not tree man. not not the tree man from Saint Mark's. It's a different tree man. It is. A uh, new, it's about a guy who sells Christmas trees in New York City. Ah. Uh. Mm-hmm. I, I gotcha. Uh, December 7th, we have Kiss Me, Kill Me. And then on December 9th, we have Frank and Lola, Abattoir, All We Had, Accidental Courtesy, Burn Country, Spectral, which is on Netflix. I'm actually interested in that. It's kind of this uh, special forces team that has to go up against um, ghosts, it would seem. Seems interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just the way you delivered that. Yep. 808, Harry Benson shoot first, and that's it. So that's like 20 movies coming out on VOD next week. 
This is ridiculous. Well, like I said last week, uh, since we updated our calendar to the new format, we've been getting a lot more people you just uh, pick submitting. You left and right. Because it's a better calendar than it was. Much better. Well, definitely. I'm right there with you. Uh, Blu-ray next week. This is for Tuesday, December 6th. We have The Secret Life of Pets. It's a 4K release on that. And regular Watch Blu-ray it. as well. Mad Max High Octane Collection. Oh, man. So I guess it's all of the Mad Max movies, so that's pretty cool, including the new one. Uh, let's see. For the Love of Spock, it's that Spock documentary. <laughs> Not sure why that needs to exist. Phantasm Ravager, that's the new Phantasm movie that I heard is pretty bad. Don't Think Twice, it's the Mike Birbiglia one that's pretty decent, worth checking out. Uh, Heart of a Dog, oh, sorry, that's a Criterion, I didn't realize it. Oh, that's stepping on toes here. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, ESPN 30 for 30 season two is getting a Blu-ray release. Season two? I know. It's, the, Aren't like, you on like season like 11? Yeah. Season two is from 2010. So Just, just getting that out. Just coming out. Wow. Little little behind ESPN. Come on. Jeez. Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer is getting a, the 4K remaster release, uh, as is the original Phantasm from 1979. Uh, let's see what else we got. Kicks, uh, I would definitely recommend checking that one out. And that's pretty much all. The Frontier, I'm not sure what that is. Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, so why don't you tell me about uh, this Criterion? Well, I think you already covered 50% of them. Jeez. <laughs> First, we have Heart of a Dog, Larry Anderson's film from 2015, which you saw this, right? I did, yeah. I think I do remember you talking about this. I'm looking forward to this one. I've been wanting to see this since 2015, since way back in 2015. So I'll finally be able to do that. That's wonderful. And The Exterminating Angel is getting a re-release on the, on the Blu-ray, which is quite good. Uh, that is a fantastic film right there, The Exterminating Angel. Just absurd high society getting together for dinner. And they can't leave. They just, for whatever reason, they can't leave the room. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Something just compels them to stay. There's no force that keeps them there. They just, they can't leave. They can't do it. So they just end up hanging out in this room. It's like the worst dinner party ever. Aren't they all, though? And I, that's what I was just about to say. You know how I feel about dinner parties. Indeed. All right. Well, I think that that is going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse, and consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.